Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The National Football League is down to its last four teams. And how exciting are the storylines for the last four quarterbacks remaining? Whatever Super Bowl we get should be must-see television this year. So if you're an NFL fan and a fan of the four teams that we'll get into, it's exciting to say the least. The big three made their debut with the Brooklyn Nets tonight. Unfortunately, it went the way that It sometimes goes when you have Kyrie Irving on their team, losing in double overtime. We'll talk a little NBA. And we had some shakeup trades in Major League Baseball. The team that said, hey, we're not coming to play in the United States this year for this past season, made some moves as well and and signed a couple guys from one team. But we'd be remiss if we didn't start with how we sometimes start the show based on how the world and how the country is faring on the specific day that we record. We postponed our recording until the night of the inauguration of the 46th president of the United States, Scranton's own Joe Biden, the president of the United States, Kamala Harris, his vice president of the United States, the former president of the United States into the night early this morning with little pomp and circumstance. And it felt almost surreal today, Al, to watch the ceremonies that happened around noontime with the inauguration of Joe Biden, what they were doing throughout the day, visiting memorials, visiting cemeteries, making their way around Washington, D.C. before they ended up in the White House, signing executive orders to get rid of some of the stupid that happened over a four-year period, and then celebration with seemingly every musician and artist that we have on this great earth wanting to perform tonight to celebrate Joe Biden becoming president of the United States. And the surreal part came with the everyday happenings that a president does. We saw the press secretary stand up in front of the reporters for the first time today, smiling, respectful, greeting the reporters by their first name, having actual answers, truthful answers to their questions. It's stuff that we're going to have to maybe get a little bit used to again. This sense of happiness, a calm in the position of the president of the United States, getting back to a normalcy that we just haven't had in this four-year period. Seeing people smile, seeing people just happy to be around what was going on today, seeing the three former living presidents aside from Jimmy Carter, who unfortunately couldn't make the trip, be grateful to be where they were, be supportive of who the next president of the United States was. It felt somewhat like the twilight zone. And I got to tell you, it felt pretty damn good. After all we've been through as a country for the past four years, we've had to talk about it on this show here and there, even though this is a sports podcast, sometimes the world is just something that you can't ignore. And today was a much needed celebration. So much so that I can't help but celebrate a little while we do our show tonight. Let's have some fun tonight. Sounds great. Uh, John, we welcome, uh, obviously, our, our friends and our listeners on this historic day, in which you just said very briefly one incredibly important thing, a return to normalcy. What you saw today was the world of the United States operating again, based upon our system, the way it's supposed to work, governing, diplomacy, democracy. 
You saw a press secretary take to the podium who's experienced in Washington, who's been there before, who handled the first briefing like a pro, like it was her hundredth briefing. You saw a president who stood with the first lady today, proud to be there, excited to be there, looking to lead a nation, looking to unify a nation slowly but surely. And then most importantly, getting to work, getting down to business, rolling up his sleeves and starting what will be a very long, arduous process in the hopes of healing this nation physically by combating the virus and beating it and healing this nation as a group of individuals, hopefully to be able to come together as a unified nation and heal the wounds and the scars that have been absolutely nurtured, ignited, and exacerbated by the former president who did everything he could to divide this nation, who came in with an attitude of, I'm going to shake it up, and gave us four years of tweets, four years of chaos, four years of living in a garbage can with someone on the outside hitting it with a baseball bat. Your ears ringing, the news always a nightmare, always something else, always another notion of what's he going to do next. And what's up his sleeve? What's he going to do to hold us up to worldwide embarrassment? What's he going to do to alienate the next portion of the public? What's he going to do so unpresidential, the likes of which we've never seen before? And it was just a series of never-ending, nonstop, pure torture and hijinks for four years. It's over Thank goodness we made it through and we now stand in a position to recover, to regroup behind a new president who, with his experience, with what he's been through in his lifetime and all the grief and sorrow that he has suffered, has an understanding of what it takes to heal. And hopefully today is the first day in the Joe Biden administration, where this country starts to put itself back together. And it was fitting to close this up that the former president of the United States got out of Dodge like the grifter that he is before any of the inauguration happened, flew down to Florida to get away from it all and start his retirement. And he won't be in any of these pictures. He inadvertently erased himself from the history that was today. You won't see him standing next to George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama. Nor should he be. president of the United States. He doesn't belong in that group. Regardless of what you thought of those presidents, those presidents handled themselves with dignity and diplomacy and understood the importance of the office and the peaceful transfer of power and the honor of being presidential and this president, former president, the last thing he was, was presidential. He never acted like one. He never understood the scope of the office and the importance of the office. All he understood was the power of the office because that's all that was important to him was the individual power. And now he will spend a good part of the next few years as defending Donald Trump. To the National Football League. And unfortunately, a start with your Baltimore Ravens and an unfortunate 17 to 3 loss to the Buffalo Bills. Three! I can't italicize or underline those words, but the three is unfortunately a jarring thing to see, a shocking thing to see. Everything that could go wrong for what shouldn't have gone wrong did that included not one, but two Justin Tucker missed field goals. It included a pick six that went 101 yards and an injury to Lamar Jackson down the stretch that all but sealed the fate of a comeback. Although you're 
what was it? Fourth string backup quarterback. The fourth string quarterback played admirably. Not bad at all. He he, he really did. He played Look, very well. But unfortunately, I was excited about this game for a number of reasons. Uh, one, I truly believed as a fair-minded NFL fan and a subjective Ravens fan that the Ravens had a real chance to go to the Super Bowl because of the talent on their roster, the depth of their roster, and uh, the quality of the team and how well they were playing. I also was excited about playing in what I consider the feature game because I have always loved the second-round Saturday night primetime game for a number of reasons. I love night games. Let's start with that. You put all, you get all the errands done. If you got to do some work, if you got to do some visiting, if you got to do some shopping, if you got to do your chores, whatever you got to do, you got all day to get it out of the way. And for most folks, you don't have to get up early and go to work the next day. So you're in prime time, you're Sandy night. Everything is out of the way. You clear the decks and you get to watch your team on a true national stage, unencumbered, uninterrupted. I was excited about that. I was excited about going to Buffalo and playing the mafia. Uh, their first home playoff game in a long time. I was excited about the matchup of the two quarterbacks from the same draft class. And I was excited about my team's chances to win. The Ravens did a great job defensively throughout the first half. Their offense stumbled. Justin Tucker in the win, the best kicker of all time, had a double doink. The second one was extraordinary. It was right down the middle. Then all of a sudden, it takes a right-hand turn. Um, but they got out of the first half three all. Lamar did not play well. He did not do a good job on the first drive where they had a first and 10 from the 25 and took a 12, 13 yard sack, where again, the ball did not come out of his hands when it should have, where he did not get out of the pocket and he went backwards. They just never seemed to get in a complete rhythm offensively. Credit to the Bills defensively. The Ravens moved the ball, but they couldn't finish drives. Can I bring a note up for the first half real quick? We were talking last week, obviously, about the gambling aspect of this and the game in general aspect of who was going to win and what the keys would be. So here I am thinking, maybe I'll just cut my losses and I'll go out on a limb and say Baltimore will be first to score. We get the ball. Very exciting to see Justin Tucker line up for a field goal attempt. Certainly makeable, almost unmissable throughout his career. And Al, Al Michaels Mike, as, as, has the as, as Al, nerve. Al, Al Michaels and Chris Collins for the second time put the kibosh on the second time. The damn bastard. Given the statistics of how he never misses kicks like these, doink. Thanks, Al. They just won't shut up. And then they had up. a nice hearty laugh about it. Oh, I guess you jinxed him again. Yeah, second time bastard. they did it in the Dallas game and they did it again. So he owes me whatever my ticket was for that game. You may continue. And the Raven offense stumbled. It stuttered. It sputtered, but it moved. And it was moving the ball on the ground. But again, Lamar Jackson, and this is going to be a Lamar Lambaste thing because we haven't even gotten to the bad stuff. Looking flustered. Looking unable to pick up blitzes. Looking unable to read blitzes, happy feet, never going to his quick reads. They were open all night, never getting the ball out of his hands quickly, never getting set. The feet always looking uncomfortable. And to the Bills' credit, they brought pressure. They brought a lot of extra people, and they made him uncomfortable. But his reads were so incredibly slow, whether it was getting the ball out of his hands quicker, getting out of the pocket, or doing whatever he had to do to keep the offense moving. 
they get a couple first downs, then there'd be a negative. Now, look, there were some bad, there were some sloppy plays, bad penalties, not his fault. Bad snaps, not his fault. But still, they get out 3-3 in a half that I thought they could have been in deeper trouble, helped very much by their defense, because most of the field position was to the Bills' favor and the Bills' benefit, even including the first uh, and only field goal, which was set up by a bad punt in the wind. And the Ravens give up their first real score on a nice Bills drive to open the second half. It's 10-3 after they convert a third long. And the Ravens go right back down the field. And they're in great shape. And it's first and goal. And then comes uh, a shoddy snap that Lamar has trouble with and only gets a yard or two. Then comes the big play. And absolutely... Dobbins missed the block on Jerry Hughes. Dobbins tried to roll block. Hughes blew right by him. But again, Lamar Jackson has Hollywood Brown wide open, over the middle, no one near him. He's also got Andrews trailing. They're both wide open. If that ball comes out of his hands on a two-step drop, all he's got to do is read the hot receiver with the pressure coming and just get the ball out of his hands towards the left corner of the end zone with some air runs under it, and Brown just runs under it because there's nobody else there. There's nobody on that side of the field and headed that way with him. He's got the whole side of the field to himself. All Lamar has to do is snap that thing out of his hands on two steps. Instead, he takes a couple steps back, gets himself out of sorts, and has to throw the ball off of one leg, going backwards, nothing on, with Hughes in his face, nothing on it. It never gets to Hollywood Brown. So now it's third goal for the nine. And then comes the nightmare. And then comes the football game. Because even if you don't convert here, it's 10-6 with a quarter to go, and you've been the better team. And I'm thinking, worst case scenario, 10-6, we're fine. We're going to score more points. The defense is playing great. They're not able to run the ball. They're covering the receivers like a blanket. They're getting off the field. They're not giving up first down after first down and dodging bullets. They're getting off the field. And, you know, three and outs, one first down and out, the one drive for the touchdown. And lo and behold, Lamar does what he does worst. In a big spot, he locks into Mark Andrews. He never looks anybody off the entire Buffalo secondary and everybody else watching on TV knew where that ball was going. He never averted his eyes for a second. He throws into traffic on a completion that had absolutely no chance of happening. And the nightmare of nightmares, even if it's just an interception, it's 10-3. But no, an interception just one yard into the end zone with, of course, the Bill defender going forward and the entire Raven offense away from him, either in the end zone or, as they like to say, a bunch of fat guys, with the exception of Lamar. Uh, and down the sidelines he goes with a convoy. Lamar, the last guy who can get him, he's given a little brush block. And 101 or 102 yards later, the football game is basically over. Uh, and that's all on Lamar Jackson. I'm sorry. You know, it's time. It's time. He's a third-year starter. He's an MVP. It's the third trip to the playoffs. Yes, he got his win last week. But it's time to stop treating him with kid gloves. We have to stop treating him like we're afraid to criticize him because he's a black quarterback. If that sounds harsh, so be it. But sometimes I do believe that is the mindset of the media. If I criticize him, I'm going to be criticized because he's black. Well, this reporter, this old reporter, is colorblind as the day is long. And the bottom line is Lamar Jackson has simply got to be better. You have to start taking steps in the right direction. You have to start making progress in playoff games. You have to start reading blitzes better. You have to stop honing in on receivers Less. You have to start doing a better job eliminating 
negative and bad plays. If it means throwing the ball away, throw it away. If it means getting your ass out of the pocket and scrambling, so be it. But you have to do a better job of playing the position of quarterback instead of like a football player playing it like a quarterback because there is a difference. He is still at times and sometimes in grand fashion. And that's why the problem is so difficult to deal with. He oftentimes plays the position like a football player. And at times it's to his advantage and to the Ravens' advantage because when he gets out of the pocket, he becomes a football player and is not a quarterback. But when he is in that pocket, he has to be more of a quarterback. And he has to learn what and what not to do. And what not to do is to throw a ball into coverage, which you have brought the coverage to by honing in and locking in on your receiver and throwing an interception that basically flips a game from a competitive one to one you have no chance of winning. And remember, if that interception doesn't happen, then Lamar Jackson doesn't get hurt. And, well, well, you're assuming. No, I'm not assuming. If Lamar Jackson doesn't throw the interception and they just kick the field goal, they're kicking off. So they don't have the ball back after a Bills score. The Bills have the ball. And then obviously everything changes after that. So it was a stunning loss to me because I truly think, thought, think, continue to think, the Ravens are the better team. They outgained them. They outplayed them. Time of possession. If you look at the numbers, cover up the score, you think the score would have been you know, 23 to 10 Ravens. Well, the 10 was right. Touchdown and a field goal, but the 23 wasn't. Because Justin Tucker missed a couple a couple field goals, which really didn't play in the score. Because if it's 10-9 there, then it's 17-9, which you still don't recover from. Um, and then you have him getting hurt under the same scenario. But I still thought the Ravens were going to win the game at, at if it was 10-6. I thought they were the better team. I thought they played a game in which they looked like the better team. But they made too many mistakes, and the Bills did not make any mistakes other than their two missed field goals. Those, those is really evened out when you look at it, the field goals. But they didn't have any bad penalties. They didn't have any turnovers that not only cost them points that gave the other team points. And the Ravens had a couple penalties. They had a couple bad snaps. Um, and they had you know, as debilitating a turnover as you can possibly there's no more debilitating turnover than a 14-point turnover. You know, in basketball, it's four or six. Um, in football, it's 14. Yeah, the scores are more in football, but they're harder to get. And they were far too hard for the Ravens to get this past Saturday night. And the most stunning portion of that scenario is, as we started this conversation, is the fact that the Ravens only scored three points, which I find just mind-numbing. And... The Bills move on to their credit. They didn't play great, but they played sound football. They played good enough that they go to Kansas City with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. It was unfortunate once again that the narrative against Lamar Jackson will come into play next season. Here's his career in these last three games. Here's what the Ravens have done. Why should we treat this year any different? Why should this night be any different than any other night? And we talked about it last week. We were hopeful that these Ravens wouldn't fall into that. Well, look at how poor Lamar Jackson plays in the postseason trap. And now that argument's going to be on the table again next year, unfortunately. So it was it was disappointing for the Ravens and a great win for the Bills. We know the Absolutely. struggles that they've had. I mean, you could you could have a whole book full of their postseason woes and not getting to the postseason for years and years. So it was exciting for Bill's Mafia. Unfortunately, they couldn't be there to celebrate and break the tables, though I'm sure they were doing it on their front lawns, in their homes, and they'll assuredly be ready to go again this weekend when, as you mentioned, they'll play the Kansas City Chiefs, who, by the hair on their chinny-chin-chin, Zal, defeated the Cleveland Browns. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. 
He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. The narrative for the Chiefs that we've had really since the halfway point of the season is quit messing around with these lesser teams. Quit keeping them in the game. Quit letting them hang with you. Put your foot on the throat to use a terrible sports analogy and put these teams away. And here we are in the game with the Cleveland Browns, with the Kansas city chiefs, not doing such. They head into halftime feeling great. 19 to three. You think, okay, they're going to start turning it on in the second half. Well, they keep settling for field goals. The amazing thing about the Kansas city chiefs, while they are super bowl favorites and deservedly so in the AFC, or one of them next to the bills is how bad they are. Not only offensively in the red zone, but also defensively in the red zone, their defense is top three worst for stopping teams from scoring. And their offense is top three worst from scoring in the red zone. I don't think that's the best formula that you want to have en route to a super bowl. And we see them get within the 30 three separate times. We obviously discount at the end of the half, cause you're just trying to score. You can't really count. That's so not enough time on the clock, but here we go again, field goal, field goal, field goal. Even though the Browns score just three points, they obviously were watching the Ravens play a little nice correlation between your former Browns and your current Ravens, both scoring three in the first half of a playoff game and in, in the weekend, but you had the feeling that they're not going to give up. They're going to come back. They're going to try and make a game out of this. Are the Chiefs going to put their foot down on the gas and get away from the Browns? The answer to that was no. And what ends up happening is on a third and one, Andy Reid with a gimped out Patrick Mahomes, little problems with the toe, calls for that quarterback to do a little draw option run play to get the first down. It looked innocent enough. But all of a sudden he goes to get up and it looked like he got punched in the face by Mike Tyson. He can't gain his balance. He's stumbling around. His teammates are having to hold him up. It's like, Jesus, what happened? He's obviously concussed. And from what we saw, he's obviously not coming back into this football game. I don't care if he passes the protocol test or not. The NFL having this game on national television and it being Patrick Mahomes, they're not going to let him come back out and play. Sure enough, he doesn't end up passing concussion protocol and he has to miss the rest of the game. So the Browns not only hold the Chiefs to 22 points around that point, now they have Chad Henney going up against Baker Mayfield for the rest of the game. You have a quarter and a half to score a couple touchdowns and stop Chad Henney from knocking you out of the postseason. If you told Browns fans that before the game, they'd be ecstatic. And then the changing point happens for the Browns where Rashad Higgins reaches for the end zone. He gets railed in the helmet by the chiefs causing him to lose the ball. The ball goes out of bounds. The worst rule in football history is enforced touchback chiefs ball, no touchdown chiefs go down score. It completely changes the game at that point because against the chiefs, you need those breaks to happen. And unfortunately for the Browns, they have that go against them. They pull to within five. There's a prayer. There's a chance. There's hope. Kevin Stefanski decides to punt the ball back late in the fourth quarter to Chad Henney and the chiefs. And you think, well, the Browns defense has been playing great. 22 points against the chiefs. Now, granted Patrick Mahomes was hurt at the time, but still they've held them to field goals. You think one more stop and on a third and 13, here goes Chad Henney running for his football life dives for the pylon, gets it to fourth and one. And Andy Reed finally shows the balls that we long often call for NFL coaches to show in these situations, fourth and one game on the line. Let's not punt it and have Baker Mayfield have any shot, even without any timeouts. We're going for it with Chad motherfucking Henny who throws a little pass to Tyreek Hill, who just sprinted away from everybody to get the yard and the game's over. 
It was a thrilling finish for Chiefs fans. It was yet another devastating five-point playoff loss. I'm sure you remember back in the 80s, that same thing happening to the Browns with another fumble that unfortunately was their detriment. Devastating for Cleveland. Incredible for the Chiefs. We survived, we advanced, etc. But there's a part of you that just has to feel like the game was there for the Browns, Al. It was there. Patrick Mahomes or not, it was there. And unfortunately, they well, came the, short. The, the, the third down play is the killer. Um, first of all, to echo what, what you brought up earlier, the, the rule is just, it's been in effect forever. Uh, could never understand it. How you reward a defense. And don't, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not looking to reward to make things harder for defenses. You know, I, I've and, and forever thought that the NFL should go to the college interference rule because I think the most ass nine thing in sports is you basically give a team a score by assuming success on a play that was unsuccessful because of the penalty by putting the ball at the one yard line and interference in the end zone. You're assuming the guys in the goal to throw the ball 60 yards in the air. And guys will be battling for the ball, and one guy pushes the other, and you're going to put the ball at the one-yard line. So you're going to assume he's going to catch it? They need to go to the college rule. I've said that forever. But this rule I just could never understand. You've done nothing. You haven't recovered the fumble. You've Maybe you've caused the ball to come loose, but you haven't recovered it. And if it happens to bounce a certain way and no one recovers it, you get the ball? Why do you get the ball? Why do you get the ball? And you don't at any other time during the game. When a fumble goes out of, goes the, out of if, bounds, if it, goes, if it goes out of the end zone, the ball back. Why, why do you get the ball? If it goes out of bounds, the offense gets the ball back. If it goes, happens to bounce funny and go out of the end zone, you get the ball. Why? Because it's your end zone? It's the only rationale I can come up with. I've also been a firm believer to show that I'm not Mr. Offensive, that any time an offense recovers their own fumble, the furthest that ball can go is where you recovered it. You should not be able to advance a fumble. You shouldn't benefit ever from a fumble. Sometimes you benefit from the fumble just by going in a spot where there's no one, there's no one else there. And one of your guys picks it up and, and, and runs. Why? Why should you be able to do that? Why should you get the benefit of something you did wrong? Ball should be spotted at the very furthest at the spot that it's recovered if it's ahead of where it was actually fumbled. But you don't get to advance it. So I don't understand this rule. I've never understood it. I think it's incredibly debilitating. I think it needs to be changed where somehow, some way you give the ball back to the offense, whether it's at the spot of the fumble or you penalize them for the fumble, whatever the case may be. But I've never thought you should lose possession of the football. I liked Ryan Leaf's idea. He said this earlier on Pac-12 this morning on Sirius XM, where people don't even like saying it's a touchback, as in you give the offense the ball back on the 25-yard line, and it's first down and goal, and they go from there. He even argued, give it the touchback rule, first and 25, Back at their own 25. It's first and 10. You still get the ball, but now you got to go the length of the field. No, I don't like Which that. I don't like that. benefits I don't like the defense. That. Yeah, Because I don't like now you, you, you could get a punt. The, the whole scheme can change based on you not having to defend first and 25 in your territory the other way around. Regardless of what anyone settles on, I think it needs to be changed. Not only did that happen on that play, Al, as we mentioned, the targeting happens. That can't be reviewed while they're reviewing the play, which is just preposterous to me as well. They're looking at it happening and going, we missed it, but we can't do anything about it. That's a shame too. Give us the college rule. And I I don't think they'll change the fumble rule at all. It's been in effect forever. I I seriously don't think it. But back to anything can happen. Um, Here are the, the Browns where they've forced a third and long after to his credit, Henny converts on a third and four on a pass out in the flat. KG veteran, the Wolverine 
finds his running back, first down, then comes a sack, and it's third long, and the Browns are in great shape. They're in a position to get the football back. You, you like to guess, maybe their 25-yard line or so. Uh, with granted, there won't be any timeouts left uh, unless they go incomplete on third down, which you figure they're not going to do. And lo and behold, Chad Henney goes back to pass, and then it's the young Chad Henney. It's the Michigan Chad Henney turning on the Jets to the left, looking for all the world like he's going to get the first out, dives, puts his head down, gets hit pretty hard, comes up about a foot short, tops, and you're thinking, all right, I'm going to punt. Browns are going to get back. Chiefs don't leave the field. Henny doesn't leave the field. Well, clock's running down. You know what they're going to do now. Here comes the long count. Here comes the head bob. Here comes Tony Romo. Jim, they're just going to try him off sides. Jim, they're just going to try him off. He's not going to want to play here, Jim. They're just going to try and throw him. Oh, no, Jim! Oh, Jim! 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 And I throw the ball, Jim. I don't know how Andy Reid, Jim. Oh, it's impossible, Jim. We almost heard an announcer have a heart attack live on air, and it wasn't John Madden. Can you imagine? Or, 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 or it wasn't Gus Johnson. Yeah, or Gus Johnson, right. And you know, Andy Reid, who now basically is operating uh, like the Teflon Don. Andy Reid can do whatever he wants now that he's won his Super Bowl. He can pull all the rabbits out of the head he wants to try and do. He showed off again. He's got a set of big brass ones. He's going to do whatever play he wants, whenever he wants, wherever he wants, and the world be damned. And he called the play that they have used before. I'm sure you've seen it. We saw it in the highlights. They used it to finish the Miami game uh, where Mahomes rolls right, right to Tyreek Hill. Same play, different quarterback, same receiver, first down. Valiant effort by the Browns on the road. Excellent job by Baker. Brought him back. Just didn't get the last chance. The chance he got was uh, the three and out. Third and long. Had the receiver open over the middle. But pressure up the middle uh, did not allow him to turn that ball loose. He had to go out in the flat to Kareem Hunt, could not get the first down. And with that much time left in the game, uh, I, I don't have a problem with Stefanski deciding to punt uh, because defense did a good job. Right. They have a one first down. Then they had him pinned on the third long. He gets loose, has the run of his life, and then they go for it, and and they get it. Um I can't fault Stefanski for punting there. Um, Especially after seeing him throw and just wail it into the end zone on just this prayer. Like it was the end of the game and Chad Henney needed to get the ball in the end zone. No one is around yet. And it was the easiest interception I think the Browns have ever had. And it was, and it's third and 14. <laughs> he can't throw. Of course. The coverage was great. You had it. Ugh. The Chiefs survive. They survive again. They survive. And in all probability, Patrick Mahomes will be back under center for the championship game. Uh, the AFC is a story of the new report, plain and simple, with uh, the four quarterbacks. Count them one, two, three, four. First rounders all, all young Turks, uh, two MVPs. Um, three of them in the same draft. And in the NFC, we have the old report. We have all folks. That's right. right. We have ancient folks. We have one guy who showed he is in fact done. Another guy who showed he may never be done. And right this second, for the moment, the best quarterback alive. 
for the moment. For the moment. The Aaron Rodgers FU tour continued, dismantling the Rams as they should have. The poor Rams with Jared Goff and his beaten up thumb playing in the cold in Lambeau. Good luck. And I thought the Ram- I thought I thought the Rams were admirable. Yeah, they were. They gave no, I thought effort. the Rams competed. I thought the Rams gave a good effort. Uh, you know, obviously without a healthy Aaron Donald, quarterback with a broken thumb. Um, I thought they went into you know a, a, a tough place to play, certainly for them, if not everybody else. And I, I thought they they gave it their best shot. I really thought they gave it the best shot. Yeah. Right now, the Packers are playing the best football. With all due respect to the defending champs, they're playing the best football. They are at the perfect time. And they'll they're have throwing to. it with the best quarterback in football. They're running it with a diversified running game and contributors from two, three different guys. Right? Their defense is playing well. They're getting pressure on the passer. Special teams are strong. I hate to use the term all three phases, but right now, the fear always with the Packers is they're going to get beat up. Somebody's going to overpower them. And that's the way the Rams play with that defense. Well, that's what the Niners did to them last year. They kind of played some bully ball themselves. They ran it down the Rams' throat, short and long. Rodgers did whatever he wanted to do be a straight drop back, quick releases, rollouts, and, and play action. And their defense put a lot of pressure on Goff. When the Packers put pressure on the quarterback, they're going to win. They're going to win. It's as simple as that. Well, and it's always been the defense that you've had to sometimes worry about for the Aaron Rodgers Packers. You assume he's going to do his thing. Can the defense hold their opponent to 24 to keep the game in reach of Aaron Rodgers. That's been the story. And can the, for off- and can the offensive line keep him from being under siege right. like he was against the Niners right. last year? And so far, so good. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Now having an opportunity with a rematch against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whose defense, once again in Tom Brady's career, helped bail him out of an eh, performance. He's okay. He was all right. But the defense, three interceptions of Drew Brees, who just looked horrendous. It's time. It's time. It is time. It's time. Now, look, in his defense, and you know I'm not a Drew Brees fan, he's barely a top 10 quarterback for me, if that. Now, again, the old report falls back on the fact that, you know, Francis Asbury targeted when he retired, was the all-time leader in yards, completions, and touchdown passes. And when he retired, nobody called Francis Asbury targeted the best quarterback in the history of the league. And Nobody will even call him right now a top 10 quarterback of all time, right. despite those numbers. Drew Brees, it, in my best case scenario, might be at the fringe end of the top 10, but I probably wouldn't even put him that high. And I'm not knocking him. I'm just telling it like I see it. He's won his Super Bowl. He's played inside his whole career. In the Dome, in Atlanta, in Carolina, in Tampa. That's 11 games. Right. Goes outside once in a while. He's always had some really strong weapons. In his defense. That home field crowd. In his defense. Nuts. 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 Hate that place. Can't stand that. Can't stand that dump in the building. All right. But in his defense, one, he's old. Two, his arm is shot 
Well, his a wife tree. on Instagram said, speaking of his arm, he was playing for some of this season with a torn rotator cuff. We know about the ribs, the 11 or 12, however many ribs he broke. Right. And, and he had he plantar fascia in his foot. His ribs. So he's right. limping so, around out there. He can't right. throw and he can't get yeah. hit in the stomach. Right. Where's this so, on the injury report, Drew? Jesus. The best throw of the night was from Jameis Winston on one of the best oh, trick plays you'll see. What a without dime a that was. Leave him in the without game. So it's time for him. And you know, some ill-advised throws, some bad throws, some bad decisions. Throws, throws you can't make anymore. Um, just totally missed the one read, which resulted in the interception over the middle, which really kind of sealed the game in my mind. Um, and Brady did whatever he needed to do. He took what the defense gave him. When Brady has time, he can still pick you apart with the medium range stuff. Uh, the arm is still relatively healthy. Still got some zip on it. Kudos to him. Simple as that. Nobody's been a harsher critic. Nobody's sicker of him. But to do what he's doing at his age on a football field in the National Football League where there are 11 angry men who want to kick his ass on the other side of the ball and he manages to stay upright and he manages to stand in that pocket yeah. and still pick defenses apart, how, how am I going to knock that? He's done what we've seen the best old quarterbacks do and I saw this a lot with Peyton Manning is when, you know, you don't have something anymore. You don't try to do that one thing. And what Tom Brady knows at age 43 years old is when to throw the ball away, when to throw it at somebody's feet, when to get down, when there's going to be a sack, when to do things to limit the mistakes that you're able to make, throw it out of bounds, throw it a little too high. I'm going to give it to you in spades. And this hurts. It hurts me to say, all right. If he if he goes to another Super Bowl, uh, I'll I'll have to I'll have to put him to number one. Wow! Because I I still don't have him at number one. I still have. Here's the way. I, here's how I'm going to give it to you. It's real simple. If Tom Brady takes his team to a Super Bowl, he jumps Joe Montana for me. He'd have doubled his games in the postseason. Is he tied now or is he already doubled his games? I oh, I don't know. Whatever, whatever. 32 whatever. and 16 is, I think, the numbers that he has to be around. That he is, and, I should say. And, and, I also believe that this is Aaron Rodgers' Super Bowl to lose. Yeah. I believe it's all in front of him. He's got the Bucks at home. He's never played an NFC title game at home. And then whoever he plays in the Super Bowl is either going to be the Bills with a really young quarterback who I'm not saying going to be in over their head, but are going to be in unexplored territory. Or he's going to play a Kansas City team whose quarterback is not going to be 100%, even though he's an MVP and up until this time, the best quarterback alive, but who's not playing like it. And a team that isn't playing as well as his. That doesn't mean they won't flip it and have a great deck. But my point is, it's all there for Aaron Rodgers. You've got to win this one, man. You've got to. His second Super Bowl, I will move him up from the back end of the top 10 to fifth on my all time list. Oh, wow. There's a lot riding on this weekend coming. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Because that, it, right now, it's Montana. Brady, Elway, Manning, Marino. That's my top five. I know Marino has no rings. Doesn't matter. If you watch them play, kids, Google them. Take a moment. Watch the fastest release in the modern history of the sport. Watch a rocket arm. Watch a beautiful quarterback who despite his, how should we say, not being fleet of foot, was able to maneuver in the pocket and almost never get sacked, who was fiery, 
who was a brilliant player, a brilliant thrower of the football, a great leader, a tremendous quarterback, an all-timer. One trip to the Super Bowl, lost to Joe Montana, the second Niner team, maybe the best Niner team of all time. Bill Walsh said it was his best team. Montana said it was the best team he ever played for. Regardless, he lost that game, never went back. No rings. Doesn't matter. Fifth on my list. I haven't had a Brett Favre, who's got a couple trips and a Super Bowl. Got a better Robert Star- Roger Staba, one of the greatest of all time. Simply a better thrower of the football. But if Rogers should go and win his second, I vault him ahead of Marino, and he would go into the number five spot on the old report all-time quarterback list. Well, the new report side, I think – most people in my generation would say Aaron Rodgers is the best we've ever seen at quarterbacking at being at that position. It's must see television every week. Tom Brady is the best winning at that position. And there's no if, ands or buts about it, but seeing what Aaron Rodgers does, Tom Brady is the Bill Russell of the NFL. That's, that's a good way to put it as hard as that is for Pat's fans and others to hear some of the stuff that Aaron Rodgers does people just don't do no one else does so this game hopefully will not be the Floyd Mayweather Manny Pacquiao wish we got this 10 years ago the fun narrative for this past weekend and this one coming up is how few opportunities, if any, we had to see these types of matchups. For example, on the Drew Brees front, one of the reasons for me that he's not in the top 10 is just the one Super Bowl in 2009. Drew, where were you, bro? The Saints only made the NFC Championship one other time aside from 2009. Now they got screwed against the Rams in one of the most egregious calls ever, they would have made the Super Bowl for that. But, but, but they didn't. But the Vikings got screwed against the Saints in that building when they were allowed to rough up on Bounty Gate, Brett Favre, a number of times, no roughing the passers called, yeah. and then on a phantom interference call, got him an automatic first down, and a field goal to win the game in overtime. They should have never went to that Super Bowl. It balances out. But the NFL NFL wanted to go to that Super Bowl. Because of that season and the history behind it. And it will always be a season that we remember. But for Drew Brees and for even Sean Payton, I mean, the accolades that they have are nice, but the heartbreak outweighs those accolades. And it's not like there was a Brady or a Manning kicking them out of the postseason every year. And it certainly wasn't Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he has, he doesn't go to the NFC championship game every year. They don't even make the playoffs. Sometimes we forget how he's not necessarily had a storied career getting to the Super Bowl because he's only played in one. So that's another reason why this, this upcoming weekend is important, but that's the disappointing part. If you're Drew Brees, yeah, you have all the numbers, but for the teams that they had, both offensively and defensively, where they played, how they played, you got to be a little disappointed. You just have to. Well, because 2009 is a long time ago. I'm going to hearken back to the player I mentioned when we started this. I don't think Drew Brees is as good a quarterback as Fran Tarkin. And you don't know even know Fran Tarkin is. You never saw him play. No. Francis Asbury Tarkenton was an All-American at Georgia and started with the Minnesota Vikings under the Dutchman Norm Van Brocklin when they were an expansion team. And Fran Tarkenton, for those of you who ever want to look it up and watch some old NFL films, will boggle your mind. Fran Tarkenton was, is, and always will be the greatest scrambling quarterback. He was the, the scrambler. He was Fran the scrambler. He was the greatest scrambler 
in the history of the National Football League, bar none. That includes Lamar Jackson. That includes Steve Young. That includes Michael Vick. You name them. Randall Cunningham. Fran Tarkenton was a madman. He drove Norm Van Brocklin nuts. If you watch the highlights of Fran Tarkenton scrambling around the field, you literally had to see it to believe it. It looked like he was on a playground. It looked like he drew the plays up in the dirt, circling back 20 yards, 25 yards, reversing his field, pulling up, pump faking, then rolling around another guy. It was literally like a Chinese fire truck. And he retired. He went to three Super Bowls, lost them all. In the middle of his career, he got traded to the Giants. Never went to the postseason with the Giants. Got close once. Then back to the Vikings in another big trade. And then went to three Super Bowls with the Vikings. Lost to the 73 Dolphins, who dominated the Vikings. Lost the next year to the Steelers. And the Steel Curtain, first of four Super Bowl wins in which they were dominated again. And then lost to John Madden's Raiders, the 76 team in the 77 Super Bowl, when the Raiders finally won their Super Bowl, when they were dominated again. Great offenses all the time. Chuck Foreman, the great Ahmad Rashad, Sammy White. But when they got in these games, they were manhandled physically. They were smaller and they were overpowered on the offensive line and oftentimes overpowered on the defensive line. And so Fran Targeting went 0 for 3 in Super Bowls. A lot of playoff games, a lot of playoff wins, wonderful statistics. The better version of Drew Brees is Francis Asbury Targeting. And if you want to hear a hot one in terms of life after football and taking good care of your money, if you look up Francis Asbury Tarkenton's net worth, I believe I read it at not 100, but 200 million dollars. Uh, some TV folks may know him from the show That's Incredible, which he co-hosted for several years on ABC. Um, still going strong, still a good interview. One of the most entertaining players in the history of the sport. Uh, I don't think Drew Brees loses great a quarterback as Fran Tarkin. Uh Probably not even in my top 10. I'm seeing but, numbers around 100 million uh, now down to more than 70 million on some different websites. But for the time period when he played to have that net worth, folks, that's how you invest your money. <laughs> that's how you invest your money after your post playing days. That is impressive. Whereas now backup quarterbacks are Chad Henney made makes what? He's made 40 to $50 million being Chad Henney in the National Football League. I'm telling you, if, if people are out there listening and you have children, try to make them either a kicker or a backup quarterback because they will just be set for life. They'll put you in the best retirement home money can cap. buy, and they'll you just... Get the, you, get to be, you get to wear the cap, and when things go bad, you're the most popular guy in town. Yeah, there's no pressure, and you might get the to be the luckiest backup quarterback in the world and I, go out and win the damn say, Super Bowl and never have to buy a drink in Philadelphia again. I used to say that the best, that, that Cliff Stout had the best job in, in football. He was Terry Bradshaw's backup for a good chunk of those years on the Steeler teams. Um, and he, he, he stood on the sidelines in the baseball cap with the headset, with the headset on. That's it. And the clipboard. It was great. You sit next to him in between series, see what you, tell him what you saw. Uh, you can mark Brunel the whole thing and, and Taylor a 10 more year long career holding the football on the field goals. Do that for a couple seasons. Get some more checks. It's the best job in football, especially if you're the backup backup. Now we're talking. Now, unfortunately for the Ravens, they had to go to the backup backup, throw him into a playoff game. Not what you want to see. If you're Aaron Rodgers coming into this weekend, the red carpet has been laid out before you to put a cap on the Aaron Rodgers FU tour to get to the Super Bowl. You've got to get to the Super Bowl this year. Absolutely. And not Absolutely. only do you have to get there, this is the one you have to win. 
it's because you're right going to have a young quarterback in Josh Allen, who's never played at that stage before against you, who's been through the ringer in the playoffs, or you're going to have a Patty Mahomes who's going to have some sort of banged upness. There's no way he's playing that game 100% healthy, no matter what happens. Not but, you know, with the foot. Absolutely and not. And a team that's underperformed for the better half of the season. And you have to do it this year. Not as good as they were last year. You get a home game against Tom Brady, who's been, he's been really good. He's nowhere close to prime Tom Brady was. And, you know, his, his wide receivers this past game, Mike Evans got manhandled as he always does against the Saints. Gronk looked to be like two steps too slow for the Brady throws. It seemed like Brady thought he was throwing to him in a New England uniform. It was just out of his reach for a couple touchdown tries. Antonio Brown got banged up. The two best catches of the game were from some random that you've never heard of and Scotty Miller. Those were the two highlight throws that came from Tom Brady. So his three main guys were, you know, okay. Well, the Green Bay Packers have really decent, not main guys. And then a guy, Devontae Adams. I have to lean Packers here. I think if Patrick Mahomes is healthy enough, it's hard for me to pick against the chiefs with the magnitude of the game. It's one of those things where let's see what the bills can do in this situation. It's almost like they're a year or two behind because this is their first real soiree into the postseason this far. And in that type of a game with Josh Allen and co, if it were a couple years down the road and they've done this sort of thing before and kind of put themselves through it, I'd, I'd lean their way. The exciting remember, part too, is the spread for both these games out as of now, three points and, as and it and should remember, be in the conference. Championship Josh, Allen didn't, Josh Allen didn't play that well. I mean, you know, he didn't turn it over. He got lucky. There was a sack fumble, and his guy fell on it. It's the Ravens. Yeah, he wasn't slinging it like we've seen him. But, and I know the wind was a problem for a lot of people, but that's his field. But there weren't a lot of guys open, number one. And number two, you know, not one of his best games. Uh, he missed a couple guys. Again, wind an issue, I'm sure. But he missed a deep throw early on that would have been a touchdown. I, I, think the bills can compete here, but I just have a difficult time going against, and I know this sounds silly, but I have a difficult time don't going against Andy Reid. It's Andy Reid. I think the Chiefs can win this game with their backup quarterback. Wow. Well, I literally think the t-shirts are out. Anything can happen. <laughs> That's right. Or as, as Patty Mahomes said after the game, anything is possible to exactly. misquote Kevin Durant. It's, it's Andy Reid coaching now without that cloud of, and there, the there, weight there's, of there's, there's, his there's whole nothing, career against him. The, the, the weight has been lifted. Exactly. He is coaching with a free pass. Right. He is coaching carte blanche. He can do whatever he wants. Andy Reid could go for two on every touchdown. And you know what people would say? Fucking Andy Reid. I'm telling you, this guy comes up with something different. I mean, you know, you know, people say, yeah, why don't we go for two every touchdown? How come we don't do that all the time? Andy Reid's doing it. Innovator. Yeah, exactly. Game. Mastermind. All right. <laughs> Innovator. Bad scientist. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think the Chiefs are going to cover. I'm going to give you 30-20. Chiefs. I like it. NFC. I think the pack will roll. Pressure on Brady being the key. They got it on golf. Can this offensive line keep the Packer pass rush, which is far better than it's been in the past, off of an immobile Brady? And look, Ronald Jones has turned into a hell of a running back out of USC. If he's healthy, he and Fournette must be able to run the ball. I know I sound like a broken record with running the ball, but again, they must be able to run the ball to some degree, as they did against New Orleans. 
to open up play action and the short stuff for Brady. If not, it will be 34-13, Packers in a route. Right now, Evan, Aaron Rodgers literally looks like he's playing in his backyard. He looks like he's doing whatever he wants to do, whenever he, wa- whenever he wants to do it. And when you're playing like that, it's the guy at the plate where the pitch is coming up and it looks like a pillow. It's Michael Jordan shooting the ball into a swimming pool. Right now, it looks like Aaron Rodgers is literally in complete command on every snap. And the only time the ball is going to be incomplete is when he says, I got to throw this one away. That's where I think they are right now. Can he stay hot? Can he continue in that zone? I think he can. I also love the coach-quarterback combination. I think he feels freed. I think he feels he's got a partner now who thinks the way he thinks, that they're on the same wavelength. He's got a two-headed monster at running back with Jones and the big kid from Boston College. He's got receivers he loves, including his go-to guy and the young guys who are getting better. I'll be shocked if this is not a Packer win. And it could be a reversal from when they played earlier in the season, and it looked like the Bucks were a shoe-in for the Super Bowl, and it looked like the Packers were going to have another one of their up-and-down seasons. How the tables have turned. If you're Aaron Rodgers, this is it, man. You got to do it. It's, it's all right there. there for the taking. It's all there. You got to do it. And if you don't. It's all on the table. I don't know. Car's what running. The car's running. Car's running. All you got to do. All you got to do. You don't even have to turn the keys. It's on. It's warmed up. You're home. All you got to do is get it in and drive it. No matter what happens, we're going to end up with an incredible Super Bowl. A quarterback driven Super Bowl, which will drive the viewership and drive the excitement. And it should be an exciting Sunday, to say the least. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, democracy reigns supreme on this great day for America. On behalf of my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, until next week, enjoy the NFL weekend. Enjoy your conference championship games. Have a safe, and great sports week, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.